and welcome to Try Talking Sport, hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast, or simply have an interest in sport, you've come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation, and a little bit of entertainment. I hope everyone is doing okay these past few weeks. We are two weeks into lockdown 2.0 here in Ireland. Thankfully, despite some dodgy weather last weekend, for the most part, it's been bright and dry outside, which seems to have eased some of the dread surrounding this level five lockdown. In some really exciting news, in the midst of what has been a pretty quiet year on the work front, I was delighted to be nominated and make it to the final five nominees for an Outspoken Women in Triathlon Award for Outstanding Media Contribution. It's a great honour to be recognised amongst some amazing women in the category who continue to encourage positive change in triathlon using their voice to encourage and inspire others and affect change in our wonderful triathlon community. I'm really grateful to have been nominated and wish the other finalists across the category and the awards generally the very best of luck and look forward to tuning in to the virtual awards on November 15th. In the last episode of the show, I mentioned the importance of finding the time to embrace fun in our training, to set some time aside for looking after ourselves and to simply enjoy getting outdoors to embrace our environment through sport within our 5k radius, of course. So I'm delighted to tell you that we have set up a challenge for November to encourage and motivate you to get moving this month. It's 30 minutes of exercise or physical activity for the 30 days of November. Now, I know many of you will be listening to this thinking we've missed the start of the challenge, but don't worry, as long as you complete 15 hours of activity during the course of this month, you can take up the challenge and be entered into the draw for the prizes. To sign up, pop over to www.trytalkingsport.com and get yourself registered. Did I mention that it's free and fun? Go on, you know you want to. Speaking of movement and activity, I am still dipping in the sea in my skins. Yep, no sign of the wetsuit just yet. I managed 30 out of the 31 days of October, rounding out with a full moon dip on Halloween night that was simply invigorating. The water temperature in Galway Bay has dropped to 9.8 degrees in the last 48 hours, but I'm still going strong in skins, neoprene hat, gloves and now my booties are all on the go. It's fair to say I'm getting back into the groove with my cycling too. What earlier this year was a dreaded hour on the turbo once or twice a week, I now bounce onto the turbo three or four times a week and dance an hour or more out on the pedals via Zwift and in the company of some like-minded bike riders enjoying the buzz and achievement in each day. I even managed to get a podium in last week's Team Ireland Cycling League, which was both a surprise and a bonus and really, to be honest, probably won't happen again for a very long time. If you are looking for some company for your own Zwift spins, the Monday night Try Talking Sport and Park Try Zwift rides are growing each week. With 90 riders online on Monday night, the crack was mighty and the banter is just, well... The banter would brighten up even the darkest of days. There is so much belly laughing we almost forget we were cycling and sprinting. If you haven't joined us yet, follow me, Joanne Murphy, Try Talking Sport and Oliver Harkin Primed Coaching on the Zwift Companion app and keep an eye on social for the meetup details. In some sad news this week, our triathlon community in Ireland is coming to terms with the tragic passing of a member of its family last weekend. Ger Fennelly died tragically on Saturday morning whilst kite surfing at Dollymount Strand in Dublin. He was an experienced kite surfer and a very passionate triathlete with Piranha Tri Club. 
My thoughts and prayers go out to Jer's family, friends and his fellow triathletes who are devastated by this loss and mourning his tragic passing. We had a huge response to the Mark Allen podcast episode. Have you listened to it yet? If not, go back and take a listen. It really was a great episode and numerous people have been in touch to tell us that they really enjoyed it and learned insight from the legend of triathlon that they had never heard before. Of course, Tommy Buzzcutt stole the show. But seriously, even if you have heard Mark on previous shows, tune in. It is a great listen. Now to this week's show, where do I start in introducing these two magnificent athletes? June McMinn and Jared Turbot are not your average age group athletes. They are passionate, accomplished triathletes who have no intention of slowing down in sport or in life. In fact, they are getting stronger, fitter and faster as they get older. Their journey to triathlon and success in the sport is fascinating, with both of them really embracing triathlon at what for many would be seen as a late stage in their lives. June took up the sport at the age of 55 and Jer returned to the sport in his late 50s after taking an extended break from running and triathlon. Their success in sport and rise to the top of the podium in their respective races and age categories comes on the back of much dedication, commitment and consistency with their training. Whilst they may have more time now to train by comparison to younger athletes, now that both of them have retired from work, they continue to strive to be the best athletes they can be and are stronger and faster than they were five years ago. June, who is now 62, completed her first Ironman, winning her age group in Barcelona in 2018 on her 60th birthday. She went on to have an incredible year in 2019. She won her age group at the Ironman Lanzarote and Ironman 70.3 Dunleary. She finished 7th in her age group at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in Nice and went on to finish 6th in her age group in Kona, just narrowly missing out on the 5th spot on the podium in the World Championship race. She was a Triathlon Ireland age group national champion across Olympic and middle distances in 2019. Although racing plans were put on hold for 2020, she recently completed a charity cycle of 403 miles, yep, 403 miles around Northern Ireland in three days in October the only woman with 10 men to complete the distance. She is an incredible lady and athlete whose passion for life and sport is insatiable. Her own story is both inspiring and empowering. Jared Turbot has also risen to the top step of the podium in triathlon in recent years. Now aged 67, he is as focused and ambitious in sport as any man or woman half his age. A strong runner back in the 1980s, he dipped his toes in triathlon back then, but it wasn't until 2012 that he really returned to triathlon, embracing and excelling in the sport that now brings him much success, joy, fun and friendship. Last year, Jer, along with June, raced at the Ironman World Championships in Kona. His journey to Kona saw him complete Ironman Copenhagen in 2015, which fueled the fire to strive for more. He went on to race Lanzarote in Wales in 2017 and 2018. Narrowly missing his Kona slot in Lanzarote in 2018, he raced Ironman Wales a few months later, just a week after racing the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in South Africa after securing this slot as the age group winner at Ironman 70.3 Dunleary in 2017. In Wales 2018, he won his age group to secure that slot for the Big Island in 2019, finishing 8th in his age group on the day on the Big Island. Like June, he is a multiple triathlon Ireland age group champion across a variety of distances. Both June and Jur have a fascinating story to tell. They are humble, proud and passionate about a sport that has given them so much. In addition to this, they are grateful. Grateful for the life and opportunities that triathlon has given to them 
And they are both proof that age is just a number. It's how you choose to embrace your life regardless of your age that makes a difference. We hear from June 1st and then we chat with Jer. Enjoy the show. June, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's wild and blustery in Galway. Where are you calling in from today? Bangor, Northern Ireland, and it's cold, wet and windy here too. (laughs) Just how we love it. Yeah, absolutely. June, what have you been up to? Uh, There's no races on the calendar. There was no Kona this year. Um, How have you kept yourself occupied over the past few months? Well, really just... Uh, cycling uh, cycling and uh, running haven't really done a lot of swimming in fact they have only had one swim since July so um, swimming has hasn't really happened and um, running I got a stress fracture in July so I couldn't do anything for three weeks and then started more cycling and swifting and um, but really enjoying the cycling now a lot better and loved the being back at running as well. I run with the local clubs, the uh, North Down Athletics, and cycle with the North Down Cycling Club, which are great. You have an impressive uh, sporting CV. And even if we just look at 2019, never mind the time before that, it's absolutely incredible. And just some of those highlights uh, for 2019, 524 miles of hard triathlon racing consisting of six events, two full distance Ironmans, three 70.3 distance races, one Olympic race, first in your age group in Lanzarote, national champion at Sheephaven Middle Distance, uh, Harbourman Olympic Distance national champion, Dunleary Ironman 70.3 age group winner, winning your place to the Ironman 70.3 World Championships for November 2020. You were seventh at Nice uh, Ironman World Championships 70.3. You also raced in Kona in 2019 and finished sixth in your age group. That's a a serious sporting CV. Where did you get time to to train between all of those races? Well, it's sort of, you make time. And certainly with having Oliver Harkin as my coach, he made sure I got the training in. Very, very intense year, but that's how you don't, you sort of plan it. And when I qualified for Kona, that was my first Ironman and back in Barcelona 2018. So it was suggested to me that I needed to do a harder one before I went to Kona. So that Lanzarote was thrown in sort of on top of everything else. So that's how it went. So before we go and talk about 2019 and Kona and all the triathlon racing that you've done, bring us back. You did play golf uh, in your 30s. Yeah, so I took up golf uh, at 30, really, and um, played it quite competitively. It took me five years to get to single figures and then just went on and started playing competitively for the club. And where did that interest in golf come from? Had you been sporty at all as a child or growing up to your teenage years? At school, I was very sporty, but then um, my father was very ill from time to time when I was growing up, and he had arrested and heart problems when I was doing my last year in school. So I had got a place to go into teaching PE, but you know my parents would have had to support me, and rather than that, uh, I went into nursing, which you got paid from. You you started really it wasn't very much ninety six pounds for a month. But uh, started in nursing so that my parents didn't have to support me and so that my parents could retire. And, you know, because it was quite hard on my parents, you know, I was the youngest of three. 
And then I didn't do any sport at all for the next 12, 13 years. Your husband died in a car accident at the age of of 29. You had two young children, a new baby on the way as well. Tell us a little bit about that period in your life, June. Well, that was a particularly bad year. In fact, I had two daughters. One had leukaemia at that stage and she was diagnosed at the age of two. And then I had another daughter and then I was expecting the third one. And Sam was killed on his way to work one day. Um, And that was sort of the end of that chapter. Uh, Very, very difficult time. And then quite by accident, uh, one of the friends, I used to work in the motorbike races with my first husband and one of the other doctors in the team. We we had worked together in the Royal many years ago and he started working in Bangor and we met up a friendship and we're now married 28 years, which is quite... um, Well, not what I expected, not what I was looking for, but it just happened. So very, very unlucky and lucky at the same time. And how do you bounce back from something like that, June? Um, You were 29 years of age when your husband died, two young children, well, three young children, um, and just your whole life in front of you. And suddenly there's a dark shadow over it, plus the fact that your daughter was unwell at the time. Do you draw strength from the pain that you went through back then in your triathlon racing now, do you think? I think that has a lot to do with it because at that time, you know, when you're 30, you don't really expect to have to deal with all of that. But you do get through it. You have family and friends who are incredible. A friend of mine who was a GP called round one day and he said, what are you going to do? You can't sit and wait at home for the kids to come home from school. And he, he said, I'm in a local golf club. Why don't you play golf? And I thought, aye, okay. So he took out his prescription pad and wrote down, you're going to need these, a pair of shoes, a bag, a three wood and a half set of irons. And he wrote that in the prescription pad and he said, take that up to Lisburn to Blake Campbell, I think it was. Take that and he'll get you sorted and then we'll get you lessons. So that was how the golf started, quite by accident, you know, but these things happened and it turned out to be the best thing I did. That and taking up triathlons, which is where really our interest lies today in this chat. Um, So when you were 55, uh, you had a little bit of a reality check. You could only swim the breaststroke and could not put your face in the water. Had not ridden a bike since you were at school, uh, but you had run a marathon 10 years previous. So what was the pivotal moment to get you onto a bike again, to get you swimming and to get you running all as part of the sport of triathlon? Again, it was quite a quite a silly reason, really, because a friend of mine <clears throat> that I played golf with met me in Marks and Spencer. She said, "Jude, I saw you out on the bike. I didn't realise you cycled." I said, "No, I don't." She said, "I saw you on the bike. You must." And I said, "Oh, that was my son Jason. He had gone to work in Manchester and left his road bike at home." So I just put the handlebars down, the seat down, and I thought I can ride this. So I went up the road. Couldn't change gears, so I had a freewheel back down again on YouTube how to change gears. So then she said, come out with us, we're going out at half one. So I went, got the bike, and uh, I had no lycra. I had nothing in the way it was golf trousers, water skiing gloves, everything except proper cycling gear. So I went up to the end of the road and saw these two people coming down the road and full lycra, lovely bikes, everything matching, and it turned out it was my friend and her husband. And she said, oh, we're just meeting the others. 
So it turned out the others, when we met them further down the road, they were going for a cycle. So there were about 10 or 12, it was a group. And I thought, oh my goodness. And my son's bike was a size 58. I ride a 48 or 49. So I had no idea there was a, you know, a size and bike that I needed. And I was at full stretch on this bike. So I got off the bike, stepped against the wall and somebody said, oh, who's is that bike? Oh, that's June's. What? And they looked at the bike, looked at me. No, no, that's far too big. So anyway, off I went with them and loved it, really enjoyed it. And they made me feel very welcome. So turned out it was a local tri club. So they said, oh, you'll have to come swimming. Come out next week on the bike and then we'll get you swimming. I said, no, no, can't do that. So I went to the local tri club, uh, the swim uh, session, and the coach, there were two coaches, and one coach said, okay, get in there and let me see what you can do. And I, of course, did a length of breaststroke, struggled with a length of breaststroke. He says, right, now I do front crawl. And I said, no, I can't. So he said, after about 15 minutes, he says, right, you've had enough, I've had enough, away on you go. So I was the first person that anybody could remember that he threw out of the, <laughs> out of the swim session. So I then thought, I better go for lessons. I can't turn up again like that. So I went for lessons and learned how to do front crawl. And how long did it take you to master the front crawl then? Oh, a few months, quite a few lessons. Um, but I got there, but I had 45 minutes just learning to put my face in water and breathing. <laughs> But I think that's one of the hardest bits uh, for people when they are starting out swimming is putting their face in the water and just managing that whole breathing aspect, plus trying to move your arms and keep your legs kicking. But breathing is so uh, difficult for many people. Yeah, it was horrendous, but got there in the end. So then I went back to the club and did the swimming with them. How did you embrace the new life of triathlon? I joined the tri club and then did a couple of years doing sprints and standard distance um, and getting my head around transitions and not taking forever, putting socks on and drying my feet and everything. So I learned uh, probably just through experience what to do and what not to do. And everybody was very helpful at triathlons and transition would tell you what to do and tips, you know, for racing. Um, so I did, I spent the first couple of years doing that and then I thought, you know, I really want to do, try an Ironman. So I did, uh, three years later, I did my first 70.3 in Mallorca. So really good fun. That's a great race. What year did you do that? 2017. I was there that year. Mallorca, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. God, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Then you went to Barcelona in 2018 and you heard the words for the very first time. It was Paul Kay who called you across the finish line and said, you are an Ironman. And then the Kona seed was planted. Well, that was actually the day before my 60th birthday, the Ironman. And then on my 60th birthday, the presentation and the awards for Kona. And he said, would you like to go to Kona? I thought, well, the 60th birthday, of course I would. So it was lovely that and that was the start then that was hard training after that. <laughs> Talk us through some of the training June that you would have done in getting ready for Kona I guess really or maybe from uh, recovering from Barcelona and then looking to Kona for 2019. Recovering from Barcelona actually was quite fun because I had already booked the ITU middle distance in Ibiza so it was the 31st or around the end of October so we had to get out, we came back from Barcelona and then I went out and did the Ibiza 
triathlon. So after that, I took a couple of weeks off and then started again. Oliver got a program together. And of course, that was training then for Lanzarote. I applied for Lanzarote Ironman. So that was my second one. And what a wake up call. Three hours longer than Barcelona took me. But Lanzarote is just a couple of the guys in our club said, nightmare, nightmare. Don't don't do it. You'll have nightmares after it. But on Oliver's advice, I went ahead and did it. But my goodness. But it is a bit of a wake up call, actually, even landing on the island of Lanzarote, because the winds alone can whip your hat off your head as soon as you step off the plane. Never mind try and uh, do a 180 kilometre bike ride on the island and run a marathon. And of course, the swells with the swim. Um, But you did go on to take the top step in the podium in Lanzarote as well. So even though you were three hours slower than Barcelona, it must have given you great confidence for coaching knowing that you had taken on the island and beaten it? Well, I was glad that I was able to finish because so many didn't, including one of our good friends, um, got off the bike and said, that's it. And I did have great fun with Shane McGill. He was a good bit further back, but it gave me time to have a few pints and watch him finish. (laughs) He won't be too impressed that you mentioned he was behind you. (laughs) Oh, he's got used to it. But there's something special about a group of you going to Lanzarote as well and having that camaraderie together to take on the challenge of uh, an Ironman distance race. Yes, definitely. It's one of those places that is hard and anybody who has been there knows how hard it is. So there was a great Irish contingent and we all met up that night and it was fantastic. And the next night. (laughs) So, yeah, it was good. And in terms of Kona, then, um, I was reading your race report before we came on the call today for Kona. It wasn't what you expected, but yet you did extremely well. Well, most of it I felt I handled very well, but the big problem was my feet. I never, ever thought that would have been the issue, but um, it was really quite um, destructive because I hadn't expected it. But there's always something in Kona because of the heat, because of the lava fields. It's a very different, it's hard to imagine until you're there. It's just hot and humid and the, you know, the terrain is nothing. Even the lava fields in Lanzarote, it's not the same temperature. Um, You have the humidity, which is very, very difficult when we're not from that type of climate. And coming back to what you mentioned there about your feet. So you made the decision uh, on the bike course not to wear any socks because you felt that there would be uh, cooler air and more ventilation in your shoes. But it turned out to be a very bad mistake. Absolutely. I had cycled for about four hours in the practice, you know, on different days before the race. And I didn't wear socks and I did wear socks. I alternated to try and find what was best. And I wasn't really thinking of longer than four hours. Had I gone five hours, I would have realized. But it was a big mistake on my part, but something I've learned. But um, very difficult to know because you really are trying everything possible. And I thought I could just pour water on my feet, but they, they got so sore that I couldn't even put pressure on the pedal. You know, so and that sort of left me feeling, how am I going to run a marathon when I can't even push a pedal, <laughs> you know? So that was a bit of a dark time, but got through that eventually with the help of the um, volunteers. And you did a great time in Kona. 
Yeah, magic time of one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> I saw that. So 12 hours, 34 minutes and 56 seconds, finishing yeah. um, sixth in your age group on the big island. Yes. Yeah. What was I, it like running down the finish line? Well, because the start of the run wasn't good because my feet were so bad and um, it wasn't very comfortable. But as I got into the run, I got a lot better and started increasing the pace. And certainly the second half, I was a much stronger uh, runner and I started closing down the person ahead of me and I knew that it was going well. But it turned out one of the um, our friends came up um, to part of the course and said, empty the tank. And this was about 10 minutes to the end. And she just said, empty the tank. And I thought, gosh, it must be close to something. And I ran and did really good last 10 minutes. And I uh, was only a minute behind her in the end, which was great. So that was very rewarding after doing that. And did you have a time in mind going over to Kona or was it a case of go over, experience it and finish it? Well, I I hadn't a time at all. I just was happy to finish um, and I thought it would be somewhere between Barcelona time and um, Lanzarote time, but thought near Lanzarote time. So I was a lot, I'm very happy with my time. And other than maybe wearing your socks on the bike course uh, the next time you go over, <laughs> is there anything different you would do uh, if you were to go back over again? Oh, I have to qualify first though. <laughs> um, no, I think everything... Apart from that, of course, the swim is a non-wetsuit swim. The water is very warm and you've got lots of marine fish. Absolutely idyllic if you like swimming without a wetsuit. However, I'm not a strong swimmer, but I really would have preferred a wetsuit um, just for the buoyancy of it. So I find the swim quite long. It was beautiful swim, don't get me wrong, but um, it was just a long way for somebody who doesn't like swimming without a wetsuit. And June, what is it about triathlon that puts that massive smile on your face that I can see on this call today? You can just feel the energy coming from you and that passion for triathlon. Where is that coming from? What is it that drives you to put in those long, hard hours of triathlon training and all the other bits of training that you do to get to the start line of a race like that? Well, I do love the endurance part of it and the mental bit, I think, I have gained, it's just a lifetime of <laughs> dealing with life situations, but I do enjoy the training and I do like to see the figures, the numbers getting better. Not really sure that they get that much better, but I do enjoy it. And I do feel, especially when I had the stress fracture in my foot this year, I thought, you know, all those times you've gone out and you think, oh, I can't be bothered doing this. And yet, once you're injured, all you want to do is train. You know, so every time I go out, I really feel how fortunate at my age that I can actually go out and do this and enjoy it. And seeing other people training as well, it it is good. And a lot of it too, I go to the running club and cycling club. Everybody's younger than I am. Well, very nearly. I'm the oldest, and some of them call me Aaron Graham now. So um, that's fair enough because I am. But I think really at my age to be able to go out running with younger girls like my friend who's 46, she runs. And I think, God, to be able to run with her, that's fantastic. You know, and I think if I just keep keep going and see how how long I keep doing it for, I'll, 
you mention your age quite a bit there, but you're you're a young sixty two year old. Sometimes I feel, sometimes not so much, but I do look at other people when I was working. I used to look at people my age and think, oh my God, they are old. They're not able to walk. They're struggling. They're puffing and panting. And I just thought, you know, catch a grip, you know, keep yourself in shape and, you know, enjoy life, which is good. And it becomes more of a lifestyle choice than uh, a hardship really and uh, being able to get that performance from your body every day to be able to get out of bed at any age is important yeah. uh, and to keep your body ticking over. Um, what I want to ask June is we get lots of listeners from around the world tuning in very grateful to all of our listeners in terms of encouraging people of any age to get involved in triathlon or to get involved in sport, what would you say to somebody who's maybe in their 50s, like you were when you took up triathlon, who maybe sees uh, other people getting involved in the sport thinking that they're too old? What would you encourage them to do to get started in the sport? Well, it's very hard because everybody's an individual, but um, you really just have to get someone, meet up with one person that will encourage you and be positive uh don't go around with negative people because you're never going to achieve anything find somebody positive somebody else who runs get you involved take you out running and cycling and then it's up to you how far and how hard you push it now i did end up retiring um two years ago when i just found i couldn't work and train as much as i needed to or wanted to so i was very lucky to be able to do that but definitely you know, it is a lot of hard work and you do have to put the hours in. It's not just, it doesn't all just happen without hard work. And as you've gotten older, June, um, have you felt that recovery has taken longer or are you doing less harder sessions now than you would have maybe five or six years ago? Or are you doing even harder ones? Oliver putting you through the ringer. I think I'm I'm actually doing harder sessions now and um, like that. I did a cycle two weekends ago there, 403 miles around Northern Ireland in three days. It was called the Long Weekend and it was a charity cycle. And I just absolutely loved it. Ten guys and myself. And it was fantastic. The camaraderie, the, you know, you needed the mental determination because it was 160 miles in the first day. So it was absolutely brilliant. But without having the training behind me, I could never have even thought of doing it. So what sort of training are you doing at the moment then to be able to get on your bike to do an epic cycle like that of a long weekend? Well, I'm probably swifting. I would cycle with the club, our local club, maybe three, two or three days a week, depending on the weather. And then I would swift, which has been a real godsend since lockdown. I've just taken it up then. Um, but I would get on and do um, a cycle, a race, a workout, whatever. And this Swift Academy, I've started doing that as well. So there's always plenty to be doing. In fact, there are three things in a Wednesday evening and that you have to choose, you know, so. So what's your favourite discipline? Cycling. Cycling now, yes. I do like running and I've got to like running more, you know, over the past year. And I would do cross country in the winter just to keep, that is brilliant fun. You get just get so muddy and the crack is brilliant. Very, very cold, very not ladylike at all, which I think goes very well with triathlon. Just get into it, get involved and uh, enjoy it. 
And if you look back over what you've achieved since you took up triathlon, we've mentioned 2019 at the start of the show and some of those achievements. But maybe aside from getting to the Big Island and finishing the Ironman World Championships, what are the highlights for you of what you've achieved so far in the sport? Uh, I suppose to get to the level of fitness, I never thought, you know, that to me is the ultimate because I never thought I could have ever done triathlon like the three three disciplines were just a bit alien so to to get those to be able to do them and to do them competently and then just to keep improving and improving technique and I think is the main highlight uh doing the competitions are fantastic great I love going to the events I love preparing I have a big meal usually a steak and chips and mushrooms and a glass of red wine the night before, <laughs> which isn't really ideal, but it suits me and I've done it nearly every race. So um, you just find things that you enjoy and do and, you know, don't go too hard on yourself when you're racing. Do what you think is right and what makes you happy. And in terms of recovering then after the sessions or after the races, June, do you have a particular protocol that you would do or is there anything in particular you would maybe get a massage or take a couple of days rest or jump in the sea? What would you do to recover after a hard session or after a race? Well, I do. You, I would usually get a sports massage every three or four weeks um, throughout the year. Uh, that just keeps everything right and keeps keeps me in check. Um, but Nothing really, sort of a light jog or a swim, but nothing really, nothing strenuous for about a week. And then I start back into it again. You sent me on a funny <laughs> photograph of you crossing the finish line at, I believe it was the Ironman 70.3 yeah. World Championships in Nice. Uh, you've yeah. got a double story to tell me there. So what happened on the ramp? And tell me, how did you get on against Julie Moss? All right. Um, the bike hadn't gone as well as I expected in Nice. Um, it was, the climb was very steep, but the descent, which I love usually, there was a very bad crash and it really unsettled me, unnerved me. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't go as hard on the descent as I might have had I not seen that. So I got to the run and it was sort of a bit, oh, you know, wasn't really feeling the love of it at the minute and then the um i got out and thought no this is ridiculous just keep going and the second lap i think my husband shouted uh you're four ahead of you so i think he meant there were four ahead of me that i was capable of catching so of course i sprinted didn't want to stop at aid stations nothing i got to the end of the i had picked off more than four people but i think some of them were on the first lap but um I had run the second half of the half marathon in a very good time, but was absolutely spent by the time I got to the line. And there was about a three meter or three foot ramp at the at the end that you had to go up to cross the line. And I didn't see it. And I went straight into it, flat on my face, and then crawled over the line and just looked up at the lady. And I said, have I finished? And she said, yes. So my finishing photograph is lying on the ground, hands and knees, because I showed it to somebody and they said, but that's not you. And I said, yes, look on the ground. <laughs> so I don't actually have a finishing photograph. And that was world chance. And then a friend of mine said, do you know you beat a legend? And I said, what do you mean? Julie Moss was 10th and you were 7th. 
And then I heard the whole story about Julie Moss and was just, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, it was quite an event. <laughs> it sounds like it was quite eventful. All right. Did you ever ask your husband uh, what he meant by the four ahead of you? Did he mean four in your age group or just the four that you'd catch up with? Well, he said that it was four that he thought I could catch. But he didn't He didn't tell me that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and June, if we look back to before you did uh, your first Ironman event, what was it that made you want to go long? Because it's quite a step up from sprint Olympic and half Ironman are kind of, you know, you'd get away with this, yeah. the step up from Olympic to 70.3. But why go long? It was just something that I... After my first 70.3 in Mallorca, I thought that, you know, that's actually, I enjoyed it more than I did the shorter distances. And I thought, I wonder, could I? And it was then that I spoke to Oliver and he said, yeah, if you want to do it, go for it. And he said, it's all about training, getting the training in, getting a training plan and sticking to it. Um, so having had the belief in me that I could do one, so I had only ever intended to do one. <laughs> so getting qualifying for Kona meant that plan was out the window. But um, yeah, it was it was good. And I do enjoy the long distance. So what are the goals for 2021 now? Are there any goals set out for 2021? Well, I think they're all deferred from this year. Um, I had Lanzarote, which I've deferred to May. And then I had... Um, well, it was meant to be doing tri-limits as well in Dungannon. The year I did it, it was the horrendous rain that only five ladies finished. Most of the people were brought off the course that year. Um, so I wanted to go back and revisit that one. So I'll maybe try it next year. And I had booked Kazakhstan 70.3 in August. So that has been deferred as well. So I'm hoping to go to Kazakhstan just because I've never been there. And I thought it would be somewhere nice to go. And then uh, New Zealand was meant to be next month. So it's been postponed to 2022. So the only two that I have actually, you know, planned definitely next year, if they go ahead, of course, is Lanzarote in Kazakhstan. It's a 70.3. And when you win your age group in Lanzarote in 2021, <laughs> will you take the slot for Kona? Will you go back? I don't know. I oh. always said I, I only ever wanted to go to Kona, but then I only ever wanted to do one Ironman. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how, how everything goes next year. Well, hopefully it all goes ahead and I have no doubt we will see you on a podium uh, in many races and many years to come. June, before we finish up, I want to ask you, who inspires you in sport at the moment? Has to be my husband. He is just, Stephen is brilliant. Everything I want to do, he is behind me 100%. And just always, you know, trying to get the best for me, get the best out of me and very in tune with Oliver. <laughs> um, the pair of them get on quite well. So um, between the pair of them, they're quite good. So, yeah, I, you know, between Oliver and Stephen, I think... I couldn't do it without them. And do you ever think back to maybe your late 30s, early 40s when you were playing golf and wonder, God, I wish I had taken up triathlon at a younger age. Um, I could be on a podium and a world champion multiple times over at this stage or um, wonder where the road of triathlon might have taken you if you had taken it up even five years earlier. 
I know I often do think that because, you know, I one of those things, but it wasn't right. I didn't even know about triathlon, to be honest, when I started, when those cyclists told me they were in the triathlon club, I actually came home and looked it up because <laughs> I had no idea. Um, so, and it wasn't really, I suppose, it wasn't talked about in the circle of friends I had anyway. Do your friends think you're a bit cracked doing triathlon? What did they think when you turned around at the age of 55 and said, I'm going swimming, cycling and running my way around the world now? Well, I kept getting, you know, you'll have to come back to golf. You'll have to come back because I was part of their team as well. So they were sort of at me and I said, look, I really don't have time. So I didn't renew my golf membership this year. And that's the first time in 30, nearly 40 years, 30 years. So 30 years um, playing golf. So I didn't renew it this year because I haven't had time because I do train a lot and golf is time consuming as well. When you say you train a lot, what's a typical training day for you? What did you do today? Uh, I haven't done anything today. <laughs> <laughs> At 3.45, there's a Vaughn 2 uh, race up the Vaughn 2 on Swift. And you can't do the Vaughn 2 climb without it being a race or a group ride. So I saw one today for 3.45. So I'll maybe give that a go. Um, that was my plan today. I have been doing time trials um, with the Swift, but because of the long weekend and that long cycle, I was cycling so much outdoors. So I haven't been racing, but I intend to go back racing on the Tuesday night with WhatsApp team on Swift. And then Thursday's the time trial, but I'm not sure that I'll do both. But I do a Wednesday night with Ulster Swifters. So every day there's something, you know, I went for a run yesterday morning, 6K yesterday, 6.5K yesterday morning. And then I raced at 40K last night um, with the Ulster Swifters. And then today I was going to do Vaughn 2. And tomorrow it will be something else. <laughs> um, would you say you're addicted to Zwift and um, triathlon? Like myself, addicted to Zwift. Well, I wouldn't say addicted to triathlon because I haven't had a haven't had a swim since July. But um, we'll see we'll see what happens. But I love getting the buzz out of doing something. To you know, when you're retired, you have to put your day in some way. So it may as well be energy sapping. <laughs> <laughs> well, there'll be no fear of you sleeping at night anyway, June, with all that racing and all that activity. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And I can't wait to call you across the finish line somewhere <laughs> in the world in 2021. Oh, I hope so. Thank you very much, Joanne. Now it's time to chat with Ger Turbot. He's got plenty of stories to tell and is a fascinating storyteller. Enjoy. Ger Turbot, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? My pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. I, As I told you when you sent me this request, for me, this is a, just an absolute paradox. Because this time, last week, I was listening to Mark Allen and hey, presto, a week later, you're, you're talking to me. I, it's unreal. It's just unreal. A week of legends. I doubt it. I, 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 I far from it. But anyway, uh, let's go on. Let's go. And Jared, OK, so bring us back and tell us where did your journey in triathlon all begin and how did it begin? Well, uh, in truth, I was not sporty at school. I was actually very, very, very short-sighted, wore thick glasses. And for that reason, like playing football or, and basically the school that I was at, yeah, they played football, 
or you did nothing. There was nothing else. There was, this is long, long time ago. There was no other options to sport. So at university, I got to know a couple of guys who were quite sporty. One fellow in particular was Terry Gregg, actually one of the one of the best hockey players of his era. And I trained an odd time with him. But when I came home after I got married, I got sucked into the running boom, basically, in the early 80s. I did my first marathon in London, 1982. That was the second year it ran. I did New York the same year. I did two not too bad times of both, 312, 322. And... The following year, I met this a, a guy that I know very well in Oma, Bill McCausland. He says, what about doing a triathlon? Well, I actually knew what a triathlon was. I mean, the, the sport was very embryonic in those days. But I had already heard about the Hawaii and the Ironman. But I said, look, I can't even swim. So anyway, the long story short, I started going swimming with the um, local dolphin club, swimming club, three mornings a week, half past six in the morning. And hey, presto, I, I, I got a stroke of sorts. But I, I, look, I actually, I'll say this a few times, I am Mr. Average. I am a very average swimmer. I still am. But I did my few triathlons in 83, 84, 85. Uh, I was listening to your meeting up with Tony Bagnell a few weeks ago, and he would have reminded me a lot of a lot of those things of, of those early days. And I, I think you will recall he, he mentioned the uh, the long, it would, it would be now called, we call it a long weekend, it would be called like a long course weekend where we did the swim on a Saturday, a bike on a Sunday. And then I think 20 odd of us started the Belfast Marathon on, on the Monday, the bank holiday Monday. But unfortunately, 85, I was under pressure with work. I, I, I work, I'm a dentist. I was a dentist. I'm retired now, but I was a dentist. I was under pressure at work. I had a young family. The sport was very embryonic in those days. Remember, there was, like, for example, most triathlons were based around pools. There was no, there was very few open water swimming. You were not allowed wetsuits. Any swimming you did outside was just basically speedos. There was no club locally or anything like that. So I, I just drifted away, basically, drifted away. And if you fast forward, I, as I say, I worked very, very hard for the next 25 years with family, work. But in 20, 2010, a couple of things happened. I was now getting to a stage where I had a little more time to myself. I was going in an ad hoc basis to a local gym. And it was there I saw a flyer for the OMA Tri Club inaugural race that they had up in Loch McCrory. I thought, bloody hell, you know, because prior to that, I had met this good friend of mine, Sean, Sean Healy, and he, he was a member of the club, and he had said, come on, but look, I had been skiing, I came back from the skiing with a terribly bad back, I was told after lots of scans that my days of exercise were over, I wasn't to do this, I wasn't supposed to do that, I wasn't allowed to run, but I decided, well, look, let's see what a little bit of exercise would do, so I went to the gym, I signed up for the race. That race, actually, I, I look back on that race with many, many fond memories because I, I genuinely had, had no training. I bought a wetsuit three weeks before the race. I went up a few times to Lock McCrory for a swim with the club. I wasn't a member now. I just went up for a couple of swims. I actually went out one night with, him, with my bike, the bike that I had for a recce of the race. 
Now, the bike that I had was a, like a 1980s bike. It was a good bike, but it had, had gears on the downstem. It had toe clips. And they must have looked over at me and thought, what sort of a plonker is this? Okay, I'm really, I mean, I laugh about it, but that's the truth. Anyway, I, went, I decided the night before the race to go up to Sean Conway, who, who looks after the bicycles up there. And uh, Sean lent me his bike. And this is the gospel truth. That was the first time I'd ever seen cleats in my life. I did the race. I got stuck in one gear because I didn't know how to use the shifters. And as the man says, after that race, my head was buzzing. It was buzzing. But I nearly quit. I nearly, I nearly called for help at the first boy because I got a, well, I wouldn't call it a panic attack, but the, the kicking just knocked me for six. And I nearly quit before I even got to the first boy. But anyway, I got myself settled down. I started swimming again. I crossed the line and I was hooked. I, I, I was hooked. I joined OMA Club the following year. So I'm officially a, a triathlon member of OMUK Triathlon Club since 2012. I think that's the longest opening monologue we've had on the podcast to date. I'm, <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm sorry. It's so interesting <laughs> my, listening to you. Can I can I tell you something? My wife Brida and look, she's 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 the best in the world. Any anytime we're out, I never say a word, and then but suddenly somebody says, as she calls it, the T word, and then I just. <laughs> Well, that's what we just need for today. And the listeners are going to have loved that monologue and the fact that I pulled you up on it. There's nothing to be sorry about. It's intriguing. You went from 1983 to 1985 doing uh, triathlon and a bit of running and stuff. And then you left it behind for a number of years and came back to it. So it's really the time now since you came back to the sport since 2012 or so uh, that we're going to focus on today, even though I'm sure you want to talk about the toe clips and what it was like stepping into the cleats for the very first time um Jerry, you've you've achieved an awful lot in a very short period of time from when you returned to the sport of triathlon in 2012 i joined the club the first two years i i, I did olympics sprints and olympics basically thanks to a bit of uh support from the club peter skeffington connor anetta sean healy I suddenly, by 2014, found myself qualifying for the European Sprint Championships in Kitzbühel. And I would look on that as a, a, a very um, a proud time of my life because, you know, suddenly I was 60 years of age wearing a green jersey for, of Ireland. I've often remember that race fondly because, as Sean said to me before I went out, just enjoy it. And I enjoyed every minute of it. And it was only a like, sprint race. It was over an hour and 15 minutes. But... At that point, I thought, that's my zenith. That's, uh, things can't get any better than this, you know. But that was 2014. What happened in 2013, my, my brother suddenly got bad news and died suddenly. And it, it made me refocus a lot about my life. So by 2015, I just decided, look, I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life, not like my poor brother who now had passed away. And I everything that I had into let's see what I can do. And that's what I said earlier to you. I did in 2015 in May, I did the double Olympic in a thigh. In June, I did the half distance for the first time ever in my life in Athlone. And I did the full in Copenhagen in August. So that's three, those three races in three months. And as you know yourself, when everybody crosses the line, they always say, 
I'll never do another one of those, okay? And that didn't last for too long. After Copenhagen, I, I literally was one day sitting in my surgery and I jumped up and I, I'd been thinking about what I had done and I thought about, you know, the race was tough, but jeebers, I loved the training. I mean, I loved doing the training. I mean, the, the training oh, was hard. I loved the crack and I loved doing it. And I loved the challenge. And I literally, I was working in this patient and I literally jumped up, went downstairs. And I told the practice manager, I'm out of here in three months. I'm retiring. No debate, no discussion with anybody, no discussion with my business partner, no discussion with Rita. I just left dentistry. So in 2016, I took it easy enough that year. Hang on, come back there now a second. What did Breda say when you said you were giving up full-time work <laughs> I, to go become a professional athlete? Well, I don't know. Hold on. Hold on about professional athlete. I, this is the goal. I've told this story many a time. I came home that lunchtime. I sat down, had my sandwich. And Breda was sat opposite me at the table. And I said, oh, by the way, I just told them at work. I'm going to retire in two months' time. And as I, the way I say it is there was a long pregnant pause to which she said the immortal words, we didn't discuss this, did we? <laughs> uh, she, was actually, she was actually frightened that, that she was going to be have me around the house, bored and a pain in the butt to live with, basically. But I think she, she actually, to be quite honest with you, my my time in dentistry was finished. I, the the what I call the the triathlon Jared is a totally different person than the uh, the dentistry Jared there. It was the right decision to make at the time. The next big moment then that happened, and I remember vividly, is having done Copenhagen, having enjoyed the training. In the end of 2016, I thought to myself, look, let's see if we can do another one. And I literally, I literally went down to see Oliver Harkin in Felda in Dundalk. You probably know what I'm talking about. All right. I said to Oliver, I would love to do another Ironman, but I want a nice, easy race. Now, I, I know there's no easy Ironmans, but there's definitely races that are easier than others. All right. And I, I actually literally, I went to the list of about six or seven races, Kalmar, you know, Barcelona, nice flat courses. And, and this is the gospel truth. Within about a half an hour, he kept telling me. I, I'd been going to a few of his uh, training training camps in Lanzarote. And every time I left Lanzarote, I said, I will never, ever, ever do that race. It's a brutal place when it comes to wind and hills and the heat, if you, if you want to add that in. Anyway, what happened was he literally talked me into doing Lanzarote in 2017 after me swearing I would never do it. So... I did Lanzarote. I enjoyed it. It was tough, and I, it is a very tough race. But we had great practice. We had, uh, we had um, Mr. McGill. You know of Mr. McGill from Oma, do you? He was there that year. Oliver. We met up with uh, this guy called Alex, who's now Alex Hurricane from America. We had great crack. Actually, after the race, we were sat round at a restaurant, and we we agreed that we would all do Italy the following summer, the, the same year, but. But by the time I got my head together and went to click the button to enter Italy, was Italy sold out. And I was actually very, very, very cross to myself. And then Oliver says to me, you do Wales. Why not do Wales? And I says, Jesus, hold on. I've just done Lanzarote and you want me to do Wales in the same year? And I did Wales as a 64-year-old. I would have to say Tenby is the most class place to do an Ironman. I, I, I know you like it a lot. 
I think it's fabulous. Everything's fabulous from the very start to the very, very end. All these other races are grand, but Wales is special. And I've said this many times, if you ever do one Ironman in your life, do Wales. Anyway, I did Wales is 64-year-old. And typical of me, because this is what I do, after the race was over, I looked at the 65-year-old time. And had I been 65 that day, I was 64, I would have won my category easily. So that set the seed in my head. Before I did Wales, I also did the 70.3 in Dunleary, Dublin. And I actually won my age group that day and I didn't genuinely had no idea I was going to win it. So suddenly I had South Africa banked for September 2018. We now are the beginning of 2018. Oliver talked me into doing uh, Lanzarote again. I was now 65. I did. I genuinely did not go out with the thought of Kona. K- Kona really was not big in my. I, I, it was not big in my head, really, to be honest with you. But I decided I wanted to do Lanzarote again, and I actually went out with two targets. And one of the targets was to do the race in under, do the marathon, to do the run in under four hours. That was that was the, the one goal that I had. I met up with Owen Martin in the hotel that we were staying with, and Owen was great support to me. Uh, I did the race. I got my goal. I did under 13 hours, and I did under a four-hour run, but I was third in my age category. But I missed the Kona slot by a couple of minutes, basically. I, I would have got the Kona only for a few minutes. And it was only then that I started to really, really, really think of Kona. Two weeks after Lanzarote, I am now in cool-down mode. So I was at the Newry Club race at Crooked Lake. And I met Oliver Harkin in the car park. And he must have thought, this man's a plonker. Because I literally went down to him with six or seven sheets of paper in my hand. And it was all the, the results of the 65 category for the previous six or seven years in Wales. And I told him, look, we, uh, Oliver, that's... That's the winning times of the 65-year-old category for the last seven years. And my time last year as a 64, I remember 2017 was brutal weather as well. It was a brutal day. I said to him, I would have won my category every year. I told him then, I says, I want to do Wales. But the big problem was Wales was only one week after me doing the South Africa 70.3 World Championships. And Oliver took a deep breath. He says... How do you think you could cope with the traveling? I says, I'll cope. And I told two people under sworn secrecy, and, and Miguel wasn't one of them actually, that they were not even mentioning it to anybody. So everybody in the club knew I was training for South Africa, but nobody apart from two people knew I was going to go to Wales the following week. She and Miguel, being she and Miguel, looked at the competitor list about three weeks before the race and he saw my number. I was actually 91 and he says, he sent me a message, come in 91 and I knew he'd, he'd found out and I had to go and beg him. I had to beg him, please don't tell anybody. And you know, <laughs> that was a big ask. I told him, don't tell anybody and he didn't. So I went to South Africa and look, June's been to South Africa and June, I think the world of her, she's an absolute beast we had a great, great time in South Africa. Uh, Stephen was there, my wife, my son was there, Oshin, and th- between us we had a great group and we had a great, great time. We really, really had. Um, 
But I literally left South Africa on a Tuesday. Three planes later, I was in Oma. 24 hours later, I left Oma down to Rosslare, crossed the Tenby. And I, I actually, you see, when I registered in, in, in Tenby, I actually went into hiding. I didn't want anybody to see me because there was a lot of guys from trial limits there and they were taking photographs and everything, you know. So I did the race. And as you know, because you were there, I jumped up on the stage <laughs> and I won my age group. And that is the story of Jerry Turbot's return to triathlon in 2012 and where it brings us to because not only had you just raced in South Africa and then won your age group in Wales, you went on to take part in the Ironman World Championships last year and you finished eighth in your age group in Kona and you're proudly wearing your Vega Ironman World Championship t-shirt today for our call. Tell us a little bit about the training, Jerry, that went into um, some of those back-to-back sessions. It's an extraordinary story to hear how you picked the flat races and then Oliver pushed you into Lanzarote and then how Wales, you said you'd never do it and then suddenly you're looking at the age categories and the times and saying, I could do these and I could win these and I could get my slot for Kona. But Talk to me a little bit about the type of training you were doing to get to the point where you could qualify for Kona in Wales. Uh, I call myself Mr. Average because I, I, I have also learned because, I'm, because of my age that hard, hard sessions are no good for me anymore. I mean, a hard session, like, for example, I can do a, a good swim session, a good bike session, and I'll be fine the next day. If I run really, really, really hard, I, I'm knackered for a couple of days. My body just doesn't like it. So I, I learned... It's, it's the old word. It's been said many times. I hear it everywhere. Consistency. I just build up a consistency. Look, as we all know, swim, bike, run is triathlon. I call the other. The other is the most important. In fact, I would be, I'd have been looking at my training peaks. 20 to 25% of my time on training peaks during that year up to Kona, 25% of the time was what I call other stuff. Okay? So what is other stuff? Other stuff for me was going to the gym, going to Pilates. So I went to the gym once a week. I went to Pilates once a week on a reformer class, sometimes twice a week. Brida is my wife, yoga, and she's brilliant. And she's got me and she's, she pulls a few other triathletes along with her as well. And Oliver would be the first to say that, you know, the consistency that I've got, being able to train relentlessly, for th- basically for three years solid before I ended up in Kona, was all to do with... As I said, the gym, the Pilates, the yoga. I would have got a massage once a month, sometimes closer to a race twice a month, uh, and, and sleep. I, I never got involved with any nutrition diets or anything like that. I just eat good, solid food regularly. But sleep is also very, very important. And that's basically it. I, I just build it up. Near the end, I was doing crazy sessions, and I was doing crazy sessions. Like, I'll give you an example Oliver likes a, a long training day before the race, about six to eight weeks beforehand. And I mean, I would have done my two and a half K swim. I would have come home here to this room that we're in at the minute. I would have turned on the heating. I would have turned on a gas fire. I had four and a half hours on my turbo, got off the turbo, got some nutrition, and then went to the leisure center and did two and a half hours on a, on a, on a treadmill. And I mean, people say, how do you do that? That, that to me is a mental training of it. You know, I, I love the treadmill, for example, you know, because I, I think it's great for pacing. And I, I would have done a lot of training on my treadmill last year, a lot. Uh, I know it bores people to tears. And, I, and another thing, too, I would have learned to do it with no music. I was just focused a half an hour 
do a half an hour, next half an hour, do a half an hour. And I, I, this is the gospel truth. Going to Kona, I just started to run. I'd gone, as you know, you leave T2, you go out of town for, say, four miles, and you come back into town for four miles, and then you climb up the hill, as you know. Oliver was there, and I said to Oliver, I am banjaxed. And then he, he came out with some expletives about telling me this was not a fun race. And you get up to the top of that hill, on Palini Hill, you then get onto the highway. And then I realised that what was wrong was I hadn't been taking Coke. Coke to me is my saviour on the run. I, 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 I can't take gels, but I live in Coke. But Oliver shouted to me and I heard him, just pretend you're on the treadmill. It's on the treadmill now. And that, that's really what it is. I just said, right, this is a treadmill. And I got up that hill onto, onto the Queen's Highway and I just said, treadmill, out to, it's a long way out, as you know, to the energy lab, turned around and came back in. So what, 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 what's the basis of my training? I love training. That's what I said. If you like it, consistency, but do the other stuff, do the other stuff and keep yourself injury free. How much do you think um, for Ironman racing is mental as opposed to physical? Well, I, I do think it's a lot. I think it is. Mental training is a lot. And that's where I got my mental strength from. Going into the treadmill and spend two and a half hours. And I did it more than once. I did it maybe a half a dozen times. And, and another thing too, which Oliver told me to do, visualisation. And you see, see doing, doing when you do a race like I did wheels one year, the following year, I, I could visualize every step that I that I was doing, okay? And I knew I'm around the town, I'm going up the hill, past the hospital, up the turnaround, back down the hill again, into the town. And I visualized, I visualized crossing that line so many times. And, 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 and that's where I get my mental strength from. Just visualize, train hard, consistency, no bother. When you talk about training hard, Jared, what do you mean? So what's a typical hard bike session or a typical hard run session? Okay, from a swim session, through the club, for example, I would just, just do the session that I'm told. Basically, uh, I would do a lot of uh, a combination of CSS training, like, like sort of pacey, okay, for me anyway. And then I would do um, long, long, long 300, 400s, 500s, repeats and all that carry on. And on the bike, it was a combination of short, sharp stuff and then long slogs at the weekend, basically. So I would usually tend to do two or three turbos during the week, a long bike ride at the weekend outside. And have you found over the past number of years, so you went back to sport in 2012, we're now eight years on. Have you found that you've slowed down a little bit or that you've actually gotten stronger? Um, I know when I was talking to June, she said she's stronger now than she was when she took up the sport a number of years ago. Well, you see, my input to that is for a lot of people that do triathlon of the older age group, they've often come from other sport backgrounds, namely football, rugby, whatever, Gaelic. And a lot of them actually struggle a wee bit, suffer a wee bit because they've got injuries from that period. And I think what, for example, June, myself, I have not done any of that. I did not do any of that sporting activity when I was young. All right. So apart from Irish dancing, that, that gave me some stamina and endurance, actually. It probably did. I, I mean, genuinely, I, I did a lot of Irish dancing. So should we call it. you Twinkle Toes Turbot instead uh, of Tiger sorry. Turbot? <laughs> actually, I, very few people know that, actually. Anyway, my secret is out. Um, so I, I didn't carry injuries. So, so that, that's another reason why, you know, I, I can do the volume. It's, it's more 80%, 80, 80, 90% of what I do is just high volume but low intensity work. 
And, and, and that's the essence of what I do. Actually, I, I have to be honest with you. I would be looking at the times that I did a couple of years ago and be almost annoyed with myself that I can't go faster. So I am actually still thinking there's a, the ability in me to go faster. I would like to think there's another few years of... I'd say there's no doubt there's another few years of speed and endurance left in you. You're definitely a numbers man, Jared. I'd say, are you? Well, I, I, I don't get hung up in power numbers and stuff like that. But I probably do. I get hung up more in times. T- the times I, get, uh, I would be... There's a few people, if they're listening to this, they'll be laughing at me when I say this, but I'm a times person. I'll give you another example, uh, and she will know who she is, because the night before Kona, I sent this person um, a message to to tell her my predictions of my times the next day in Kona, and I was very close to the mark, and all three splits and my final time. I really, really was, okay? And what was your final time in Kona? 12.27. 12.27. 12 hours, 27 minutes. I know it's not very fast, but look, it got me in the top 10 in the world and I was that was my, that was my second goal, to get in the top 10 in the world. I love the way you just throw in, that's not very fast. 12.27 is fast enough. It's, it's, I have one more, I really have a goal. I, I don't like, I shouldn't say this. I, I don't, oh, I'm going to put the kiss of death on myself. I want to do under 12 hours somewhere, somewhere soon. Will you go back to Kona? Kona, actually, if you want to be bored, I, I could talk to you for hours about Kona. But Kona, is it my favourite race of all time? No, it isn't. In fact, I would actually tell you, and Kona is a boring race in places. It, it is boring, but mentally. And in fact, I can also tell you of the six Ironmans that I've done, that's my fastest time. But remember, I'm comparing it against Wales and, and, and Lanzarote, which is, you don't go there for PBs anyway, all right? Kona, I, I would say Wales is my favourite place. Lanzarote was my second but I put Kona third. But Kona wins by a mile with the buzz and the magic and the excitement. And you, you can't, that, that is priceless. That that atmosphere about that place is absolutely priceless, okay? And it's a brutal race. It's a brutal race. And I mean, that run after Pliny Hill, they throw you out into the, what I call into the abyss, the lava fields. It's so hot. It's crazy. And then it gets dark for me because of my time. It gets dark so quickly. It got dark very, very, very quickly. I can give you a quick story. As I was coming home from the lava field or from Energy Lab, it got very dark very quickly. And I saw the sun setting. It's absolutely magic. Those memories will never, never disappear. And I kept noticing that every time I would come to this feeding spot, there was this girl beside me who had a headlamp on because it's pitch dark. It's absolutely pitch dark. So I decided I'd run with her. And the two of us ran with each other. We were the same pace. And I called her the lady of the lamp. And we, we, we still message each other on Facebook. And it was the most, I, I loved the end of it. It was the two of us ran together. We're like soulmates. You know, we didn't know each other before. We hardly know each other now. And yet for that hour and a half, we were we were buddies for life. <laughs> so will I go back to, I got on the plane. And I, this is true. I got on the plane and I looked out the window and I said, well, look, you'll never see that again. But I would love to go back. I would love to go back. I'm going to say no more because I'm going to get shot. (laughs) (laughs) I won't dig any further for fear that I might let any cats out of a bag. You did do Kona and uh, the plan is that we will have yourself in June uh, on a Facebook live show in the future to chat all about that Kona experience. So I'm not going to go into too much depth on that now. You came home from Kona and you went and you did the Pagira half and then you did the Dublin City Marathon. So three weeks back to back in October 2019. You see, I mean, you don't do things by halves, George. Uh, you see, well, well, Kona was booked, obviously, 
I got the place. And then all of a sudden, I, got, I, got, I, got, I realized the club, we're going to do a club race the week after Kona. And, and honestly, it, it beat me up. How, how was I going to cope? How could I cope with these guys all going? There's 25 of them going. George, that's called FOMO, fear of missing <laughs> I out. I understand. I know what FOMO means. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. Uh, and, I, and I beat myself up. And I, 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 I planned my trip that I could literally rush home. And I mean, I was in Kona on a Monday afternoon. I was in San Francisco on Tuesday morning. I left San Francisco on Tuesday I ended up in Dublin at the two o'clock, Oma at four o'clock, and six o'clock on Thursday morning. I was at the airport, apart from again one person. Nobody knew I was turning up, and I turned up with the airport. What the hell are you doing here? I went to Vigera, did a 70.3, got second in the AIDS group, and then I came home from that. A week later, I did a Dublin marathon in 348. That's incredible. For an old man, not too bad. Well, I wouldn't say you're an old man. You're you're like a young fella who's about 21 with his whole life ahead of him with some of those stories you're telling us. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I, can, I, can I say one thing? You can. And I say it I, with deep sincerity. I'm so grateful I'm able to do it. I, I mentioned to you about my brother. I mean, he was younger than me. And literally in the space of two months, he, he was told he had a problem till we buried him. I'm so grateful I'm able to do it. My father dropped dead at 57 years of age as well. So I'm so, so I, there's not a day goes by that I don't say thank God. I'm grateful for those around me that helped me on my journey. Uh, I, I suppose at this point, I, I would love to say thank you to Brida. Because she just lets me get on with it, basically. In fact, going, going back to the, uh, the day I told her I was retiring her, you know, you know it, it, it was, she's not the nagging wife at once. Let's go here. Let's go there. Thankfully, she is a very busy girl herself, very active, a great yoga teacher. So we both have our own interests and, and there's an element of sharing them as well. So there's Brida, there's a club, the club, uh, as any good club is, and you're, you're Galway. Look, I'm just biased. My club is better than your club, but you'll say different. But the club and there's the park group, Oliver. I, I could go on and I don't like to start the name because I'm going to say somebody's name and I shouldn't. Or I'm going to forget somebody's name that I should say, but anybody out there has helped me on this journey, I thank you very, very much because I am one happy, grateful old man. Well, uh, you know, you can see it in you. Um, uh, the listeners that are tuning in can't see, obviously, the conversation we're having. I'm looking at you on a on a Skype video and I can just see the joy uh, coming across uh, in your eyes and the smile on your face and the stories that you're telling. And I think what you say, um, you know, about being grateful for being able to do this, I think that's hugely important that, you know, there's days where we don't really want to train. There's days where it's miserable outside like it is today. Um, and we can be real negative about things, but actually we're very lucky to have the opportunity to be in the sport and to be able to take part in it. Um, and I think that shines through as well with you, Jared, about how much gratitude you have for what the sport has given you. I mean, I, I didn't know you before we started all this Ironman crack and all the the, the banter with, with triathlon and that, but you can certainly see that there's so much life in you because of triathlon. Absolutely. I, I, as, as, as I've said before, the dentist Jared and the triathlon Jared are two different people. Two different people. I really had a ball this last few years. I really, really have. And I hope the journey's not over yet. I hope the journey's not over yet. And I asked June the same question, you know, if you look back uh, and wonder if you had, I suppose, 
continued the sport back in the 1980s and continued. Do you ever look back and wonder, wow, what could have happened if I had stuck with it at the time? Um, where would I be now? Or do you think taking that break from the sport and coming back to it at an older age actually gave you a better platform to perform well and not be burnt out by the time you got to 60, come back to the sport? Believe it or not, I have actually asked that question myself. And I think you've actually answered it for me. My, my life is full of, uh, I'm sure you've seen the film Sliding Doors, have you? Yeah. I mean, we're, I think it's a brilliant film. You know, and it's, it's probably not a man film, but I think it's a class film where this girl's life changes literally by the split of a second, whether she goes one way or another way. And my life is full of what I call sliding door moments. And I often say, what, ha- what would have happened if, and you know something? If it hasn't happened, there's no point in beating yourself up or debating with yourself too much as to what might have happened. But I do think you've answered it for me. I think the break was good. I think the break was right. It was for me. It was meant to be. And this was also meant to be because literally this was meant to be for me because it gave me a joy for life at a time when I needed it, when I needed it. And, and it has made my retirement I have not missed. I have not missed dentistry for one millisecond. I was so glad to get out. But sure, you're not retired. You're a full time pro athlete. I'm a. I'm a I don't like the word pro, but I'm a, I, I, I'm a, I, I, yes, I am an athlete. Full time. Like, okay, maybe not professional, but you're a full time athlete. Well, I, I spent a lot of time. I, 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 yes, I, I'm actually. This would be like a quiet month for me at the minute. Okay. And I've already done two sessions today. I was in the gym this morning at eight o'clock and I've had a yoga session with Brita. And great. You're putting all the rest of us to shame. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, before we finish up, I want to ask you, um, where did the name Tiger Turbot come from? I first heard it from the one and only Mr. Shane McGill. Why he calls me Tiger, I have absolutely no idea. I asked him one day why he calls... Oliver Harkin Francie, he gave me no answer. And why does he call Patrick McLaughlin uh, Susan? I have no idea. But you know Shane McGill, he comes up with these things. But I'd stay. Actually, I don't mind. I don't mind. I actually, I do not mind Tiger Turbot, Mr. T, Jer, Jared. But there's one I've already told you don't call me Jerry. <laughs> I was wondering whether you were going to say it or not. Um, it's if, now official. It's now official. Don't call me Jerry. Don't call me Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I'm so, actually, I'm so pleased I've got that out right there. <laughs> it's like a pent up energy saying, please don't call me Jerry. I've been holding back all afternoon trying not to call you Jerry. Looking at your um, success in sport, what have been the highlight? Well, look, multiple. Obviously, Getting to Kitspoon, I thought, was the height of my, my sporting life. It, it turned out not to be. Uh, I was, uh, do you know something? I always remember Alex Ferguson after United had won a league or something. You know, I, I honestly enjoy the moment. 24 hours later, park it. What's next? And that's what I've been doing ever since. So, yes, Kitspoon, obviously Kona. You know, I'm chuffed with myself, for example, doing under four hours in Lanzarote after doing the swim there and after doing, as you know, that's a brutal bike. And to do under four hours, I, that, I'm chuffed with that. That's one of my favourite moments. 
I was tough for myself last year because I, I did quite well in my age group in triathlon Ireland with five goals. So I was I'm quietly tough to that as well. Kona is special, but I do want to go back. Don't tell Brita, but I do want to go back. And I think we're going to leave it there with you thinking about Kona, Madame Pele and the wonderful heat and humidity of the Big Island. Hopefully we'll see you there in the near future. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget you can get in touch with any feedback by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. For those of you who are looking for our bobble hats, they're now on sale. A limited supply in blue, grey or navy for €15, including postage and packaging to the UK or Ireland. If you want a bobble hat, check them out on www.trytalkingsport.com. I'd also love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by and say hi and let me know what you think of the show. But more importantly, just message me to say hi. If you need a bit of positivity on a damp and dreary day or you just want to get a friendly reply if you are new to try talking sport please do check out some of our previous episodes you will be impressed and inspired by our guests that is a guarantee until next time wash your hands stay safe keep smiling and as always thanks for tuning in